Exodus chapter 15. So you get out, they'll be practicing on Wednesday evenings. And I understand that's we all have our grooves. I know it. I get it. I was messed up starting Wednesday because we didn't have a Wednesday night service because of the revival. So you had Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night. And, uh, and so well, I woke up Wednesday thinking that was Thursday. And then it's just been downhill from, 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 from then on. And uh, I never did quite get caught up. I'm pretty sure today is Sunday, right? Uh, okay, because yesterday didn't feel like a Saturday. It was just off. But we're here. You're here. So that means it's Sunday, the first day of the week. And uh, let's, uh, let's get into the message today. I, I believe this will be a message that will help all of us. If you're not in Amara, you're more than likely heading for Amara. And we're going to learn that Mara is a bitter place. Mara is a bitter place. Now, I'm not necessarily going to be preaching about bitterness. I've preached on that before. I've actually preached out of this chapter before in this church. Now, my notes in the iPad says I did that in 2020. Does anybody remember that? Because in my mind, it seems like it was around 2018, 2016, 2017, uh, somewhere in there, and that I imported it into my iPad in 2020. But does anybody remember that? Anybody got that well good of a memory? Good. Nobody knows. And this is a different message than that. I had a copy of that and was looking at it. What did I have to say? And that was more about bitterness. But this is about a bitter place in your life. It's about... Uh, You've heard this expression, man, that's a bitter pill to swallow. It's not that you're bitter about something. It's just you're, you're, in, a, you're, in, a, you're in a time in your life where it's a hard time. Uh, if you go one way, it's going to be bad. You go another way, it's going to be bad. It just seems like everything's falling on top of you at, at the same time. And so let's get a little help from the Scripture on what's going on here and how we need to respond to our Maras and and. and I, I believe that that title is fitting because one of the things I want to make clear today is God led the children of Israel right to this Mara. And so I don't want you as a child of God to get it in your head that well, when you're living for God and doing everything right for God, that God would never lead you into a hard place of life or allow something bad to happen to you. I got news for you. If someone has told you that or they've tried to preach that, that's not true. And so if you're sitting in a pew and you're living the Christian life, and you're like, I am doing the best I can do with the knowledge that I have about God. I know I don't know it all. I know I need to grow. But uh, uh, my life's not as easy as everybody says it is. Well, you could be on Amara. And God might have led you there. So I'm not talking about the places where you've led yourself to Amara. You know, you can do that. Uh, remember Jonah. And I'll get back around to preaching on Jonah. I think I did that a couple years ago. But I preach a message out of Jonah chapter 1 called uh, Creating or How to Create Your Own Storm. I, I, you, you don't want the first thing you do is you run from the word of God. So you don't want to do that. And we're not talking about that type of a scenario. We are talking about following the leadership of God and the nation of Israel here. They're following the, 
the cloud. Remember that cloud went before them by day and then it was a pillar of fire by night. And so they were following Moses who Moses was following God and God led them right to Marah. And so we see so much here uh, and we're going to see how they reacted and, and we're going to look at maybe how we should react. And react the right way. So let's read here, starting in verse 20 of Exodus 15. He says, And Miriam, the prophetess of the sister of Aaron, took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dances. And Miriam answered them, Sing ye. Now note the direction. And don't read too much into those, those verses there. Well, Miriam, she's a woman pastor. Well, I got, okay. <laughs> You know, I, I knew I, I would have to say this comment. I've been trying to say I wouldn't do that, but I, I probably will. Number one, she is the sister to Moses and Aaron, who God calls prophets. And a lot of times when you see a prophetess, Isaiah was married to a prophetess. Yeah, oh, a woman preacher? No, she was, she was the wife of a preacher. So sometimes the Lord calls it like that and, and says that she's a prophetess because she's connected uh, with a preacher or a prophet. And then other times in the Old Testament, uh, maybe she did have the word of the Lord and the Old Testament. And then we get into the New Testament, he changes that. But I do want to point something out right in the text. She was dealing with the women. Now, when most people want to talk about women preachers, uh, generally women, they, they're talking about usurping authority over men. We got a big problem with that today in, in churches. We're in, in that big debate where do we have women preachers and no women preachers? Uh, and I got news for you. It doesn't mean that a woman can't preach. I'm going to tell you, there's some good women preachers. They can put a message together. Great. But God hadn't called you to preach to men and in church. Oh, I, I shouldn't have hit a snag. I should be getting amens, praise the Lord's, and all that stuff. Uh, I, 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 and it doesn't make them inferior at all. But their place, God has not chosen them. He says, if a man, I, I love how descriptive the Lord is. If a man desire the office of a bishop, if a man. So we're living in a generation that can't define that. Well, that probably is going to mean that God's going to call a whole lot less people then. Yeah, amen. Amen. But don't read too much into that. If you, if you, want, if you just got to have it that way, well, Miriam's a prophetess preacher. Don't take that from her. Amen. Then her ministry was to the ladies. It's right there in the text. So don't read into it. Let the text speak to you. And what does she do? She teaches the other ladies how to sing and to worship God with God. Note the word too. To sing to, that's, that's direction. Where were they directing this singing and this praising to? You say, oh, you, you're leaving out. Well, I'm going to get to the dancing then, because you're, you're wanting me to. He's not talking about soul train. Remember that in the 70s? Uh, <laughs> I won't tell you where I got introduced to that. I wouldn't do anything like that. Uh, uh, but years, years, and years gone by. But soul train, when you think about somebody dancing, everybody thinks about soul train. They think about what's going on in the music world today. You get up there, take your clothes off, and you bebop around, and you lip sing to a track that you've already recorded to. 
Yeah, that's what they're doing. They got stack tracks. And what they do is they pre-record themselves singing and they got stack tracks that are behind them. Have you tried to sing and move and dance all at the same time? How long would you go? <laughs> I'd like to see you try that, preacher. Well, I wouldn't make it three minutes. I know that. I'd be over here blue. like <laughs> Their dance, note your culture, is different than the dancing you're thinking of. When we as Americans, don't Americanize it. Don't Americanize it. When we think of a dance, oh, we're thinking, oh, we're going to get all jiggy with it. That's not what they're doing. Not what they're doing. I'm not going to preach against dancing this morning, but maybe I should. Maybe I should. So we understand that uh, the wrong kind of dancing, I, I mean, running in church and shouting and clapping your hands and, and, and lifting your voice up to the, wor- to the Lord would be considered dance. David did some skipping and some dancing over there when the Ark of the Covenant come back into Jerusalem. The problem is when you see that word dance... You Americanize it. You read into the text, say, oh, they must have been doing the soul train up there. I bet you they were all up there doing the bunny hop. And and, and the Charleston, too. You didn't know I knew all that, did you? (laughs) I told you, who are the wickedest people on the face of the earth? PKs, preacher's kids. We know more stuff than we let on. Let on. More stuff. All right, let's read on. I, I've done, I, I can tell I put a damper on this, and I knew this would happen. I, I could tell, I can tell. It's, it's okay. I, I don't think we got to buckle in this morning. It's all right. Are you all in Amara? Maybe you got Amara. Maybe you're dealing with Amara. Something I need to say, but let me finish reading the text, and then I want to make a point about worship and praise knowing that you're headed to Amara, or maybe you don't know. Let's read on. He says, So Moses, verse 22, brought Israel from the Red Sea. Now remember, they were following the Lord, that pillar of of cloud by day, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Now remember, they got all their flocks, all their herds. And when they came to Mara, remember, The clouds leading them, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah. Marah means bitter. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? They're they're upset. And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them and said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and wilt do that which is right in his sight, and wilt give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee which I have brought upon the Egyptians. For I am the Lord that healeth thee. And they came to Elam where were twelve wells of water, and threescore, and ten palm trees, and they encamped there by the waters. Let us pray. Our gracious Father, Lord, we come. Now, Lord, help us today as we look at this bitter place. And Lord, help us to be able to draw a parallel from what actually happened here to sometimes you lead us to a bitter place. Help us to gain instruction from the Word of God. 
Now, if there be people that are lost, people that are backslid, let them fall under Holy Spirit conviction in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Some things by way of introduction I want you to take note of is the first part of this chapter. They start this chapter out singing songs about God's victory. Remember the Red Sea. The Lord parted that Red Sea and destroyed Pharaoh's army in the Red Sea. Then they begin to claim that the Lord is my God. Remember, we preached on that. I want to think that was the week before. Or last, or, or the week before that now, actually. Uh, and they were claiming God. They said, yeah, this is the God of our fathers, but now He is my God. And then they begin to claim there in verse 11 of chapter 15, there's no God like my God. And then we see in verse 20 and 21 that Miriam begins to teach the ladies how to sing to the Lord, meaning that God is the audience. And, and, and brother, brother Terry did a wonderful job in the revival on Sunday night. He talked about uh, the Christ that, that John worshipped. And, and he showed us from the Word of God that worship and service go together. You cannot separate the two. And that our worship needs to be to God. Because God is the audience and we've been created to bring God pleasure. You are here in this life right now, not so that you can eat donuts and drink coffee and have pleasure. Uh, you, you see, I put a high value on that. Uh, or, or to fish or to cook or, or to, to run and enjoy an amusement park. None of these things are wrong, but that is not your sole purpose in this life. Your sole purpose and your number one duty is to be pleasing in the eyes of God. And so we see, that's how chapter 15 starts out. But then we get to three days later. I believe this to have application. We can come in on a Sunday. We can have a good service. We can kind of get a little excited. I know some of you, you got to tap your foot just a little bit. You're like, oh yeah, I'm kind of getting a little excited, but not too much. You know, you don't want to let, don't want to let it get off the chain here a little, little too much when people might think I'm charismatic or something. Look, we, we've let the charismatic steal our worship and praise. It's okay to shout hallelujah and glory. It's all right to wave hankies. Uh, it's all right to say amen. As long as God's in it. You'll know if he's not. It's okay to get happy in God. And so Sunday's a high day, but all of a sudden it comes in on Wednesday and you're at Amara. Just that quick, it can change. The place of bitter water. And then the people begin to murmur against Moses, the preacher. Now here's something I want you to take note of if you don't get anything else today. Because this is how God spoke to me. Because God knows us all very well. He knows us better than we know ourselves. And as I begin to study this passage, here's what the Lord showed me on a side note... There's a lot of times your pastor, because once you've lived enough life uh, and, and you know that life has patterns or life has seasons, and so you've got high seasons, 
You got low seasons. You got times where money is plentiful, but then you got other seasons where money's not plentiful. You got seasons where the car runs good, the appliances are okay, and then all of a sudden uh, the car breaks down, the appliances go out, and money is, is hard to come by. And I find myself knowing because of patterns that I will let the knowledge of a coming Mara I just know it's somewhere in the future. I don't know. I don't know where God's going to lead me. Uh, In the present, nothing is wrong. But I let what I think I might know, fear of the unknown, a vain imagination about a Mara, because it's happened so many times in the past, and I'll let that Mara keep me from praising God today. Does that make sense? I've sat right on the front pew here, and, and, and get excited about God and excited about the preaching and then say, you know what, I don't want to get too excited because I know there's a Mara coming up somewhere. Have you ever done that or is that just me? Is that, have you all done anything like that or is, it was just God just ringing my bell because I'm like that? I'll be sitting there and be in a service and get excited and say, I can't get too excited because I know there's bitterness coming. I think what the Scripture's teaching us is when it's time to worship, you need to worship, and you need to worship to the best of your ability. I believe that's what he's teaching uh, these people here. That when it's time to worship, when God has given you a victory, when God has parted the Red Sea, then you need to bring glory and honor to our King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And you don't need to be thinking about the upcoming Mara that could hinder you from praising God in the moment. There's something to that. I know it's not just me. Because I would probably be the least smart person in here when it comes to uh, discerning patterns and seasons, you know. Uh, you know. You've seen how I'm trying to get my mind ramped around next Sunday, Soup Sunday. i, I got to get that set. I'm visual. i got to be able to see that in my mind. Now, whether I'm ruining Jenny's soup <laughs> and I'm going to peg it on that or I'm tasting somebody's good chili or soup. Some of y'all are like, yeah, we're already past that. And so don't let the coming Mara stop you from praising God in the moment. To murmur means to grumble. It means to complain in a low, half-articulate voice. That's its definition. Mothers, I thought about this this week. Mothers and grandparents, do not let your children get away with complaining and murmuring. You've heard me say, do not let them get away with lying. Lying is is a very, very bad sin. And they don't need to get comfortable and familiar with lying. But number two, they do not need to get away with complaining. And, And hopefully today I can show you from the scriptures on why complaining and murmuring is so dangerous, even as an adult. But definitely do not train your children... And allow them to be complainers. Tell them to take out the trash and they begin to grumble. You hear it under their breath. I was good for that growing up. You know, mom say, trash is full. That's like fingernails on a chalkboard. 
Mom didn't say it kind of like that. I'm exaggerating that. But in my ears, that's how I heard it. And it was shrill. And it was like putting, it was put, putting fingernails on a chalkboard. And so I would murmur, not out loud, especially if dad was around, because dad wasn't going to put up with that. But maybe just loud enough that maybe mom could hear a little something. You know, <laughs> what'd you say? Oh, I said, you're a wonderful mom today. <laughs> say, what is that? That's murmuring and complaining, and it's dangerous. But so often it's the first thing we do when we hit the Mara, ain't it? God has led us right into Amara. And you're like, I, you go down through your mental checklist. You say, okay, I've read my Bible every day. I've prayed every day. I go to church every time the doors were open. I tithe. Uh, I, I love others as, I, I, I love, uh, uh, as the Lord tells me to love them. I love my spouse like I love my own body. You do go through that checklist, don't you? And if you can't cross one of them off, that's where I'd start. You say, oh. Oh, well, that could be why you're in a bitter place. Mara, the place of bitterness. God led them to this place. So God says that he's going to teach them. And he is going to prove them. Now, here's something that I'm thinking about what I wanted to say that I didn't put in my notes and then my notes at the same time. And, and so uh, one of the things I want to key on is when you begin to complain, when God has led you to Amara, when you complain or murmur, what you're saying is you don't trust God. Complaining is the same as unbelief. What you're saying is, God does not know what's best for me. Why did God do this to me? Why now did God allow this? If God's sovereign and God is in control of everything, why am I at Mara? And when you complain, you're saying to God, I don't believe you, I don't trust you, and I know better what's best for me. And that, that's dangerous ground to be on. And we're going to find that there's no less than ten times that the nation of Israel, and they're a type of the church today, that they begin to grumble and complain. And I will tell you this, according to the Bible, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, down there a couple of verses, God says He was displeased with many of them just for the simple fact they were complainers. You know, years ago, we used to have a complaint department. We don't no more because people just wear that thing out. Every Monday morning, I'd get a phone call. I'd either preach too long, I'd preach too short, I'd preach too hard, I'd preach too soft, and it, was, it, was, it went on and on. There was a speck of dirt on the floor. There was a piece of trash in the trash can. There was something that somebody had set somewhere and been there for two weeks, and they thought that it should have been picked up. And so I closed the complaint department. You got a complaint, if you see the need, you take the lead. 
You see something needs doing? It's all of us. We're all here. We're all to serve one another. If you see there's something wrong with the floor, get the sweeper out and sweep it up. If there's some dirt down there that somebody else has missed, then you pick it up for them. God hates complaining. Nobody's been complaining to my knowledge. I'm just telling you what, it, what had went on in the past. And it goes on everywhere. It goes on every church. It goes on in everybody's life. To complain, to be upset about a bitter time and a bitter place. So when you're at Mara, don't complain. It displeases God. He says, neither murmur. That's in the New Testament. He said, do not murmur. As some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. That's 1 Corinthians 10.10. God said... You, you, you get in that habit of complaining and I'll just let the devil come right in on you and destroy you. God does not, you, you know, as preachers, and we're, we're so, we're so, uh, we're, <laughs> we're so proper today, you know. Uh, we, we, we're first to, to bust the sin of homosexuality. We're first to bust the sin of transsexuality. We're, we're first to bust uh, people living together, even though you don't hear that too much anymore. They, preachers don't want to preach about it because half the church is that way. And I got news for you. If you're living in a situation like that and you're in a bitter place, you need to get that thing fixed. It's sin. It's sin. It's not, you say, well, I don't think it's sin. It's the American way. Well, the last time I checked my Bible, now I could be wrong. It's not in the notes, but I'm listening to the Holy Spirit. And uh, I think he says over here somewhere that he says that marriage is honorable. And the marriage bed undefiled, but uh, whoremongers and adulterers God shall judge. And it's in Hebrews. And I'm trying to remember what chapter it is so I could give it to you. Here it is. I knew what side of the page it was on. Hebrews 13 verse 4. Marriage is honorable. God made marriage to be enjoyed. Marriage is... It, God created that. And the bed undefiled. God created that. The marriage bed. Nothing wrong with that when you're married. But whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. You say, who's that? That's the people that says, we don't need to get married. Let's just move in together. It's all okay. I got news for you. You're heading for a Mara. Matter of fact, you, you, you're creating a Mara. And then you're sitting there and you're bitter because you're claiming Christianity and more than likely you could be saved and you can't figure out why nothing's going right. I got news for you. God's lifted the hedge and letting the destroyer take you out. Because you're living in sin. That's not good. But us preachers, you know, we're, we're quick to jump on that, aren't we? I mean, we jump, I'll jump, I'll jump right all to, on top of that. But I'll tell you something that preachers won't jump on a whole lot. Is murmuring. And God says it's just as wicked. How about the sin of ungratefulness? Just simply don't want, you don't want to be thankful for anything. You're not thankful you're breathing God's green air. You're not thankful that you got clothes on. You're not thankful that you got a house to live in, even though you might owe on it. But God's been good to you. That is a big, big sin in the eyes of God. 
murmuring. Nobody wants to preach about that. Crying, whining around. It's a sin. It's a sin. And God doesn't take too kindly to that sin. So, complaining and murmuring, it displeases God. Now, take your Bible. I want to help us. Go to Psalm 77. And I, I, as I listened to the Lord yesterday, I noticed that the Lord began to change my message a little bit. And we're going to deal with this about complaining and the dangers of complaining. And parents and grandparents, you need to pay attention to this because when you allow your children to complain and murmur, you're opening a door for depression and they're going to struggle with that in their lives. When you allow complaining, and even in yourself, when you will allow yourself to complain, it opens a door and depression comes through and you will deal with depression. I want to share this with you at the scripture because I, I think some, uh, everybody from time to time deals with some depression. Uh, sometimes people deal with it because they're complainers and they can't figure out why they keep coming back to depression. I'm going to share with you what the Bible has. Now, this is David. And I've, as I've been told and I've read, this is when David sinned a little after the sin of Bathsheba. But what I want to point out is what happens. And I want to help us. And I want to warn you, don't be a complainer, don't be a grumbler, and don't be a murmurer. Verse 1, I cried unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice, and He gave ear unto me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My soul ran in the night and ceased not. My soul refused to be comforted. That is clinical depression. The Bible deals with depression. A lot of people in the Bible that dealt with depression. And when you got open sin in your life, you're going, as a child of God, you will deal with depression until you get that thing right. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained. Here we go. I complained. What happens when you begin to complain? And my spirit was overwhelmed. You opened a door for another spirit to take over and it began to overwhelm you. See this? Selah. <laughs> that means he's going to take a break here for a minute because he's overwhelmed. Thou holdest mine eyes waking. He can't sleep. I can't sleep at night. I got insomnia. I want to stay awake all night because I'm depressed. Because I complained and I don't like where I'm at. I'm in my Mara. I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. Ever been with somebody that just won't talk? You ask them what's wrong, they can't tell you? Ain't that annoying? I mean, you're the person dealing with the issue. Why can't you tell me what's wrong? Oh, I'll tell you why. They're depressed. 
they're depressed. And a lot of times they're depressed because they allowed it to, they started out complaining. Parents, grandparents, don't let children complain because you're conditioning them for problems later in life. There's a lot of problems that this generation's dealing with that were caused by how they were brought up. By what you be, oh, oh, that's so mean. I won't let my kids. You're telling me not to let my kids complain. That's so mean. They know their voice needs to be heard. Go ahead. Go ahead. I got news for you. You're not doing those children any favors. But it'll lead you to a point where you can't even speak. Now, there's something I need you to see here. And no less than five verses, he's referred to himself in the first person no less than 14 times. Oh, numbers are important. The Bible's teaching you, God allowed this to be penned, that people that deal with depression are obsessed with self. They have a self problem. It's a natural occurrence. It's just what happens. You say, well, just stop it. Yes, sometimes you just can't. Why? Because you've allowed a spirit to overwhelm you. That's why. Now watch that. I'm going to help you. I am going to help you. The Bible's going to help you. I'm just going to be the mouthpiece. Now let's read on. So he's depressed. He's complaining. He's bitter. He's overwhelmed. He can't sleep. He hurts. And he won't talk about it. One of the best things for dealing with depression is talk therapy. I know what I'm talking about, folks. It's, I don't struggle with clinical depression, but I've read and studied a lot about it. Had to take it in my uh, doctorate classes. Theology doctorate, just for the live stream audience. <laughs> Theology doctrine. Talk therapy by far is the best, the best, the best way to deal with depression. And that means you've got to be around other people. What, what do depressed people want to do? Isolate. They isolate. They isolate. That's what he's doing. Watch what happens there. Now pay attention to this and watch how this changes. He is overwhelmed. There's another spirit that is overwhelming. And by the way, the devil will oppress you. When people talk about depression, they're talking about, they say, it's, it's a weight. It's a weight. I feel like I got two tons on me. There's people they'll call in. I think I'm having a heart attack. It's anxiety. It's a real thing. It happened to David. Watch what happens. Verse 5, I have considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. Okay, He's starting to turn around. Now he's still referring to himself quite a bit. I commune with mine own heart. Okay, he starts, <laughs> he starts talking with himself. You're like, oh, now you are crazy. No, it's talking about inner dialogue. And my spirit made diligent search. What's the problem? The spirit, and his spirit saying, okay, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? God's been good in the past. God's did great things for me in the past. He's become, he's, he's coming around. 
Will the Lord cast off forever? He asked himself a question. Will God cast me off and leave me at Mara forever? And will he be favorable no more? Will God never smile on me ever again? I got news for you. When you're in the depths of despair, you'll think the sun will never shine again. Ask that question. Is his mercy clean gone forever? Is God not ever going to be merciful to me ever again? You need to ask that question. Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Yeah, what happens when God forgets? God don't forget. He says... Hath he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Selah. So he takes a pause here. That word selah means to take a break. Now watch what happens. Watch what your Bible is getting ready to teach you. And I said, this is my infirmity. Ownership. You're never going to get help over any type of depression or, a, or any type of a bitter place. No Mara until you own it. You need to own it. We're living in an age where it's everybody else's problem. I didn't do this. They did that. Uh, uh, I'm this way because of what they did. You need to own it. He said, this is my infirmity. Uh, That's not easy to do, is it? (laughs) Uh Uh-uh. I'll be the first one to do something like that. (laughs) Having a gout attack because what's those donuts? You know that. Everybody knows that. Donuts cause gout. I mean, hot dogs and donuts and and bologna. You know this. Everybody knows that. Just own it. (laughs) Just own it. You'll get help a lot quicker. He owns his infirmities. Now, God's trying to help us this morning. When you're in Amara, you need to own it. Why? Well... Because this is your infirmity. Out of 8 billion people on this planet now, I think there's about 8, 7.8, something like that. Let's round it off and round it up. I'm an estimator. 8 billion people on this planet, God chose you at this time, at this place, to represent Him in Mara. Own it. Now, I got news for you. It's a little easier to preach. We call that a bitter pill to swallow. You ever try to swallow some bitter pills? Medicine? I hate Mara's. There ain't nothing that gets me upset more than a hard place. Mara's. And I got just enough sense I know they're coming in the future. You're either in a storm, coming out of a storm, getting ready to enter another storm. You need to own it. God has chosen you, not somebody else, not the other 7.9999 billion people to represent Him in your Mara. He chose you. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, we're back on identity, aren't we? Watch this. And I said, this is my infirmity. He's claiming it. I'm taking responsibility for it. What he's saying is, I'm going to quit complaining to God about how big my problem is. And I'm going to start telling my problem how big my God is. Mm. 
That changes the mindset, don't it? You say, well, preacher, <laughs> why don't you try dealing with that with, a, with an addiction or cancer? I, I, I didn't say this is easy. That's why we're preaching it. And why I'm preaching it and saying it out loud to you is so you can preach it back to me one day. When I got the poochy lip. And we're in Amara. <laughs> you say, now preacher, didn't you say you need to own that? <laughs> bitter! Bitter! Yeah. Yeah. Because God's chosen me to represent Him in this crisis. And you need to thank God for the Mara. Children of Israel didn't do that. You need to thank God for the Mara. You need to look for ways to make God look good. This is how to deal with your Mara. You need to pray fervently. You need to wait on God because God's going to give you an answer. Did He not give them an answer? Moses, did He not pray? And God says, hey, there's a tree there. Right there by the water, cut it down, put it in, and it'll make it sweet. God has the answer. God's in control. God led you to the Mara. And then take the next step of faith that God has given you to take. Verse 11, I will remember the works of the Lord. You want to think about stuff? Think about what good things God has done in the past. You want to reflect and remember. Don't remember about how bad it is and what kind of bad's happened to you. Remember how good God has been. And he says, I'll remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember the wonders of old. They did, three days ago, God had just parted the Red Sea. Do you think him uh, trying to make the bitter water sweets any, any problem? I always think this way. Well, maybe God run out of power. <laughs> maybe God won't do it like that again. Maybe God wants me to build a boat this time. I overthink things. <laughs> Remember about the wonders of God. I will meditate. There we go. Mental digestion. Also of all thy works and the talk of thy doings. Notice he's not talking about himself no more. Have you noticed that? He's changed the focus from I, I, me, me, I, I, me, me to God. The preeminence has been shifted to God. God's good. God's done this in the past. God's did that in the past. God did that for them. God could do this for me. I will meditate. Also of all thy works and talk of thy doings, thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. <laughs> you lost your way? Hey, have you ever been so down that you've... You, your Mara is so bitter that you've lost your way? The last thing you would ever want to do is leave church it's right there people get depressed what they do they sit at home on the couch with the curtains drawn and the lights off and it ain't just because they like being alone 
And church time rolls around and they're going to sit right on the couch and they're going to keep feeling sorry for themselves and they hate their life and they're upset about how their life's turned out and they're upset about where they're at in life and what they thought they should have been and all their hopes and all their dreams has not come out. You've got a self problem and it's going to get worse and you need some help and you need to own that thing and you need to begin to think about the good stuff that God has done for you and focus on the positive and then get in the house of God around God's people. Some talk therapy. I'm telling you I'm not making this up. This Bible is right, and I'm just teaching and speaking to you what God has said. He's given us a remedy. Our problem is we won't take our medicine. You've got high blood pressure, and you won't take your medicine. What happens? Your blood pressure doesn't go away. It gets worse. You've got to take it, don't you? I mean, we kind of get that figured out. And when we don't and we skip it, our blood pressure goes up. We don't feel good. And then we have other side effects. And if you don't watch it, you'll have a stroke. Christian life's the same way. God's given you the medicine. He's called you in a prescription (laughs) when you're at your Mara. You need to go to God's house to pick it up just show up get out of that little car come in (laughs) you might be able to live stream the diagnosis from the doctor but if you want to pick up the prescription to actually get to help you're going to have to go pick that up aren't you yeah God ain't going to live stream medicine to you You're going to have to be in the sanctuary. His way. God's way. God chose it is in the sanctuary. (laughs) Oh. Now somebody here needs this. Somebody watching needs this. You're at Amara. You need to own it. And you need to start thinking about the good things God has done. And if you're still breathing air, God's good. Amen. We got more stuff than we can shake a stick at. You know, the rest of this world considers every American a millionaire. We own more than one vehicle. We we got all kinds of stuff. We have no excuse to be sitting on a couch in a dark room with the shades drawn, depressed and murmuring and complaining to God Because we wanted chicken for lunch, but we got something else. Mm. Yeah, that's about how we are. And then when we get to complaining, it opens the door up for another spirit, not the Holy Spirit, to come in and overwhelm you and begin to oppress you. And then all of a sudden you're in depression and you can't get the focus off yourself. Own it. Own it. That's what David did. That's how David got the victory over it. Own it. God is in control. He is sovereign. God does everything well according to the Word of God. And I believe that. Even though a lot of times I don't like that. 
but I believe that. And when you're at your Mara and God has led you there, you do not need to complain because God does not like the complaining. You need to own it. You need to represent God in that crisis. You need to thank God for it. You need to find ways to make God look good through it. You need to pray fervently. That's what Moses did. God will give you an answer, and you need to take the next step of faith. All while you stay with the assembly. Why is it when people get hurt in life, or they start going through something, the first place they leave is the house of God? I got news for you. I'll tell you why. It's the same devil, just different faces. It's the same devil. It's not God that wants you to leave the house of God and the fellowship of brothers and sisters of Christ. It's the devil. He's playing with you. And he's got you focused on yourself. And you're having that pity party. And you're in the pits of despair. Been there. I'm not. It preaches so good because I can identify with every one of these points. And more than one Sunday I woke up. I don't want to go to church today. You have to. You're the pastor. Get up. No. Where am I at? In a dark room with the shades drawn. Oh. Now I don't last that way long. I generally smell bacon or something. And that cheers me right up. I'm good. And I'm not making light of depression or Mara's. They're bad. And depression is bad and it's real. But maybe you kind of look at this a little differently. God has allowed it to prove you, but to teach you. But work on your elegance for God. Thank God for the crisis. Own it. God's put you in that position to represent Him. That's an honorable position. You say, well, it don't feel so honorable. I understand that. But you're not looking at the big picture. But God does. Let's all stand this morning.